welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Ethan, today's episode features a picnic, and I wanted to ask you if you have any fun picnic or barbecue stories to tell us today. Well, my family, like, never did picnics um, because, you know, I don't think that many modern American families do picnics. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of something that's chilled out over the last, like, 50 years or so. But we did picnics a lot in, like, elementary school when I was growing up. And they were always, like, fun and, like, weird. There was always, like, oh, man, we're going outside during school day. We're going to, like, read a book and eat a ham sandwich. It's a wonderful time. (laughs) But, you know, as a young disabled kid, I just, like, couldn't get onto the ground on my own. So (laughs) they always had to bring out a chair for me. So while all the other like little kids were like in a circle, just on the ground together and, you know, very much equals, I was just like two feet above them on this chair, (laughs) warding over them. And I always felt so awkward, but also (laughs) powerful because I'm like, haha, I'm above (laughs) you all. (laughs) That's really funny. Um, I don't particularly remember any picnics that I had as a kid. I think we did them a lot when I was like in preschool. Because my preschool was like really local, so everybody knew each other. So we had like picnics in the park sometimes, which was really cute. But I just remember in high school, our senior picnic, and it was so terrible that everybody who wasn't the three people who put it on just didn't go. And it was just so kind of like ridiculous. Everything was gross and warm. Mm -hmm. And we were like, why would we do this in June? (laughs) Yeah, uh, I don't even remember that. Maybe that was something that I just totally blocked out of my memory because it was <laughs> well, like nobody, nobody a went. Weird I mean, time. like the handful of like popular kids went. You know how that is, and then mm-hmm. nobody else showed up. It was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> oh man, high school events were a weird thing for me. I, I never attended like any of them, but like whatever. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> anyway, so. In this episode, Bulletin Board, the camp happenings are posted on the Bulletin Board, coincidentally enough, including Henry's talk on sex, war bonds, and a camp-wide picnic to support the orphans. Ethan, what did you think about this episode? So I really liked this one. I liked how like loose it was. This was very much a vignette-style episode, and it reminded me a lot of like the movie, just mm-hmm. because like the movie ends with 20 minutes of football. This ends with like <laughs> 10 minutes of a picnic. Nick, and I was like, oh, this is like fun vibes. I'm here for this. I like watching this cast just kind of hang out and have fun together. And, you know, you got to see like different things with like Trapper and like the Frank subplot I thought was like very true to uh, Margaret and Frank and pretty funny. I I, I enjoyed this one. It was a, a nice vignette episode. Yeah, I liked this one too. Um, I felt like this was such a fun kind of like character study episode for everybody mm-hmm. like you you were able to kind of speculate a little bit on everyone's character whether the writers intended for you to or not but I certainly did and I really enjoyed that aspect of it I read some people's comments about this episode and what they think when we'll get into it when we get to those parts but it was really interesting and really funny for me I loved the picnic at the end. That was Mm -hmm. a lot of fun. It seemed like, you know, a good amount of filler because it went on for like, you know, the last 10 minutes of the (laughs) 25 minute episode. But it was still such a good time and I was smiling throughout the whole thing. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, 
obviously we love episodes with like a good plot where there's a lot of things happening and it's like very well structured and you know dramatic and everything but there's also room for these kind of loose episodes where it is just kind of a character study of different things happening and you just kind of get to hang out and have a fun time while watching it that's Mm -hmm, what i like mm -hmm. about these episodes and normally they're kind of reserved for dear dad with like a narrator but this one Mm -hmm. didn't have a narrator it was just kind of stuff happening and i enjoyed that much more than i usually do with these sorts of episodes this one really worked for me for what it was doing yeah and it wasn't devoid of any kind of like hard mash commentary you know um there Mm -hmm. was a little bit of it at the end you know it wasn't completely missing any or scenes or anything like that that we've seen in certain episodes in the past um so yeah so i just i thought that this episode was just chef's kiss perfect (laughs) all right so you think it's perfect let's go a little bit through it then let's talk about henry's sex talk baby everyone's favorite (laughs) thing in the world before we get into henry's sex talk How much did you love that Trapper couldn't do a ping pong thing? (laughs) That was really funny. That felt like, I think that's obviously scripted and everything. Yeah. That felt just so like filming on the day. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. And like, we don't really have an opening for this. Let's just try this. Like Alan Alda (laughs) discovered that he was like really good at ping pong or whatever (laughs) that thing is. Oh, yeah. Paddle ball. That's what it was. Paddle ball. I was. I had it in my notes and it said ping pong and I was like that doesn't look right but I don't know what this is called <laughs> that's so funny I I loved the genuine laugh from Alan Alda when Trapper like couldn't do it mm-hmm. it was so funny and it cl- it was clear that he had to like try not to be able to do it because it's a pretty like you know it's simple, a simple task <laughs> <laughs> and he was trying really hard not to be able to I just loved it that was a yeah. complete aside I like that this is how the episode opened because it started on that like really light note and then it immediately jumps into oh yeah Henry's having a sex talk and you know that's gonna be bonkers mm-hmm. like anytime he does that <laughs> Henry's gonna tell us everything he knows about sex should be an enjoyable 60 seconds <laughs> starting out with amazing lines just immediately <laughs> And honestly, like, how many times do these guys need sex lectures? I mean, I know. <laughs> it was kind. It's kind of ridiculous. I, they they did make reference to the sex lecture in season one. I'm pretty sure where they said he gave his speech or his lecture about uh, VD, and I thought that was really funny. But <laughs> I kind of hated this as well because <laughs> it seemed very, like, mean, you know? Like, oh, yeah, wrap it up. We don't want to have any half-Korean, half-American children just running around Korea. I was like, oh, my, that seems very just mean-spirited. Yeah, but also if you're going to give, like, this sex talk, it really should be about, like, birth control more so than hey sex exists uh, let's let's talk about that like i don't know uh i understand what you're saying but like of all the lessons to teach it was like okay this is this is a fair one to give them yeah yeah no i completely got it like i am all for contraception <laughs> but mm-hmm. the fact that henry was like the one thing that they don't need in Asia is more Asians. I was like, oh, wow, that's, yeah. oh, I kind of hate that. Um, Because it just felt so, like, I don't know. I guess because in context, like, for the episode and, like, where we were in the world, 
America went over to Korea and Vietnam and how these like Vietnamese and Korean women were treated really poorly when they had children with American soldiers. It just like kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like, oh yeah, Korea doesn't have the resources to take care of them and America certainly doesn't want them. So like, just wrap it up, guys. (laughs) I don't know. It just like felt very icky to me. But it was still like, I said it was mean-spirited before, but it didn't have that like mean-spirited kind of feel. It was very funny in the way that Henry was delivering it. Henry's just awesome awkwardness about all of this is always so funny like this is a much more practical lesson for them to have versus the this is a man this is a woman they do various Mm -hmm. things kind of speeches (laughs) that we've seen him give before (laughs) yeah yeah the way that henry kind of just comes about saying certain words like oh sex is important because you'll have sex and then you'll be one of the sexes that the genders are in the world it was just like so (laughs) it's such like a henry type of thing because that's exactly how he did it in the first sex talk it was just very Mm -hmm. funny (laughs) And knowing that, like, Henry has kids, he's probably, like, actively thinking about, like, well, when my when my girls get older, I am going to have to have this talk with them. And, like, that's mm-hmm. probably part of why he's so awkward, you know? He's like, how do I, how do I give this to children? Let me, uh, let me yeah. do a little bit of a rough rehearsal for when it's necessary. <laughs> Did you also, during this scene, I, and I love this episode for many reasons, just because the cast seemed to be like having a lot of fun when they were filming it but when that like exchange between frank and hawkeye where hawkeye was like kiss me frank and then he like kept making like lip motions at frank oh, like yeah. several <laughs> times i loved that it was so it was so good <laughs> this was a good episode for antagonizing frank it was just kind of on all sides <laughs> margaret wasn't on his side there was a big fight with uh him well there wasn't a big fight but there was a fight between him and Klinger when they were talking like politics before the sex talk mm-hmm, and this mm-hmm. this like kiss me bit is one of just my favorite like weird running gags that like Hawkeye's <laughs> willing to in the 1950s just kind of do these like no homo jokes to Frank. It's <laughs> something that I always I always laugh really hard at. <laughs> that is so funny. That's exactly like how I describe it, which is so funny because he's like doing the no homo jokes, but like being like, oh yeah, love me, love me. It's just it's very funny. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, speaking Frank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of that, you had mentioned that Frank was kind of getting it from all sides. And one of the little vignettes in this episode was Margaret trying to borrow money from Frank. So what did you think about this whole little issue here for them? Honestly, I just think Frank is a very bad boyfriend. Like, (laughs) Agreed. There's so much that demonstrates that he is not a good partner and just kind of views her as a, a like sex thing. And... I understand that that's a lot of money, especially in the 1950s, but like, come on, dude. You you can afford it. You can give, you know, Margaret something to like work with being an actual like relationship. Last week you almost <laughs> wanted to marry her. Come on, man. I did look it up my, with my inflation calculator. And yes. $240, $240 today in 2023 would equal $2,842.58 in 1952. Okay, um, I semi-retract my, my previous statement. That's <laughs> a lot of money. Um, Frank can afford it, but that's a lot of money. You're right, you're right. 
But I was thinking like, oh, wow, that's like, you know, a lot of money. Why does she need that? And she was saying, oh, my sister's getting married. I want to give her this gift so that she has like money for an apartment. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because at least in the New York, New Jersey area, that that would be your (laughs) security deposit. Yeah, exactly. That would be your security deposit for like a good apartment. So it made sense why she was asking for that amount of money. That being said, I really liked this exchange just because it felt almost like a test on Frank from Margaret because she, in the last episode, we had him kind of like weaseling his way out of asking her to Mm -hmm. marry him and stuff like that and like leaving his wife for her. And then in this episode, she's like, well, I I have to be worth like $240 to you, you know, if this relationship. So I liked, I don't know, there was also some other stuff that I'll talk about later, but I liked in this episode the cohesion from last episode it felt very much like a continuation so i liked that but also i hated that margaret was trying to rely on frank for money just did not love that because like he's not a good boyfriend he's not gonna give it to you girl yes that is fair frank's not a man you want to rely on in any regard i mean his wife can't rely on him you know what i'm saying um (laughs) You're right. This episode had really good continuity with the previous episode, how it was kind of building off of the idea that like Margaret does want more from this relationship and like Frank is like not willing to give it to her, but also wants Mm -hmm. to act like he is. And like this whole bit and just how weaselly Frank is like towards the end of the episode, like agreeing to it, but like wanting interest is just such textbook Frank being the worst man alive (laughs) where you're like, I understand that she needs like an outlet, you know, but like, Mm -hmm. why is she still with him? This is, this is a real, like, what, why do you do this to yourself, Margaret? You can, you can do better. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. I wanted to bring up one last thing about this scene. So when she asks Frank for the money, Frank says, oh, didn't your father leave you any money? Kind of indicating that her father had passed away. And I think that they had mentioned it also in the previous, some of the previous episodes. I saw someone's take on this whole kind of like retcon type of thing, because in later seasons, Margaret's father like does show up and like, her parents were, you know, like divorced and this and the other thing. So you kind of got more of her like childhood backstory that was kind of separate from this. So someone's take on this situation was really interesting to me. They said, oh, and also Margaret was like later is confirmed to be like an only child. Okay, so she doesn't have a sister to get. Okay, I was going to ask yeah, you about that yeah. actually. <laughs> so for some reason, okay, and I could definitely be wrong here. But like for some reason, I thought Margaret had a brother And I don't know where I got that from, like where that came in my mind. I don't know if that was mentioned in later episodes and they just like, you know, didn't run with it at this point. I I don't know. For some reason, I thought Margaret had a brother. Anyway, Mm -hmm. back to what I was trying to say was someone's take on this was that this relationship with her mom and dad kind of deteriorated into divorce because of this like sister people thought that it was a sister from a different relationship and like that's why it like deteriorated so she can't ask her mom for money because she's like you know oh dealing with her mom and like drinking and what she says but also people were kind of taking it as like oh yeah she can't like ask her mom for money not because she's like an alcoholic but because her mom 
is not her sister's mom too. So like I thought that that was like a pretty interesting take. I like would have never thought that. <laughs> we love fan head cannons here. It was so cool. Where did you read that by the way? Do you do you know? It was either on the Mash subreddit or on the, like the Monster Mash fan page. Hey. <laughs> like the Mash Wiki. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the Mash Wiki. That that place is great. I love that so called amazing. Monster so Mash amazing. so much. <laughs> um yeah, this whole thing with Margaret and her family was weirdly dark. I uh I didn't know how to feel mm-hmm. about it. Just saying that like Obviously, we've heard some hints about Margaret's like father before, but we haven't really heard about her mother and like mm-hmm. hearing that she's an alcoholic and like a kleptomaniac. It was all so sad just to stick into this episode yeah. and kind of have it be super breezed by, like so offhandedly mentioned of like, I need money from you, Frank, because I have nowhere else to turn, blah, blah, blah. And everything else is so kind of goofy and light. And this one little bit was like, oh, by the way, there's some real sadness here. Mm -hmm. Okay, moving on. (laughs) People were also saying about that, too. Like I said, this felt kind of like a test for Frank to, like, see how committed he was to their relationship. People were also speculating that, oh, this could be a lie to kind of test him to see, like, what his limits are. You know what I mean? Of just like, hey, listen to my tragic backstory and like i just need this one thing for my sister and this and the other thing um but it's like actually just a lie i don't know i thought that there was so many different areas that you could run with and i love that the mesh fandom has thought of all of them yeah i mean that's one thing that i keep saying but i love about this show is that you do not see their home life like everybody has lives outside of the show outside of this camp but you don't really see it, at least not at this point. And so you get that, like, license to speculate on, like, what everybody's life was like outside of the mm-hmm. show. We don't really know what, like, Hawkeye in, like, Crabapple Cove, Maine, or wherever he's supposed to be from at this point, <laughs> is, like, like at home. And I mm-hmm. like having that open for interpretation kind of energy where you can be like, well... Maybe at home, these characters are completely different because they're not under these extreme circumstances. Like, maybe Margaret, if she wasn't in the army, would be just a completely different person Mm -hmm. when she's, like, with her family, which I like a lot. Yeah, same. Me too. I I think that that actually transitions us, like, pretty nicely into the part of the episode where Trapper is writing the letter home to his daughter. Um, I loved this part. I thought it was Mm -hmm. really sweet that Trapper was trying to explain to his now seven-year-old daughter uh, what he was kind of doing in Korea and who he was with and stuff in this age-appropriate way that you don't really, like, usually get to see Trapper doing. So Mm -hmm. I thought that that was really, really sweet. I like this bit a lot as well. This is probably my favorite part of the episode other than... Uh, just kind of the general vibe of the picnic stuff. Mm-hmm. I like this one sequence a lot. And have to mention, this episode is directed by Alan Alda. And in this episode, how they frame, like, Trapper, like, writing to his daughters is, like, candlelight and, like, moody. And I was like, wow, that's some that's some real, like, direction going on here. They, they made some creative choices. Um, <laughs> but uh, everything with him explaining to his daughters I thought was really nice I liked his narration you don't tend to get his narration normally it is like Hawkeye um so it was a nice change of pace to get narration from Trapper and 
how he explains the story with him treating a patient with hypothermia was pretty malpractice of Frank. Yeah, right before we get to that, though, there was this one little, it was quick, it was like a throwaway line, where Trapper was describing his relationship with Hawkeye and uh, Frank in, you know, the swamp. And he says of Frank to his daughter, he's like a substitute teacher who stays all year. And it just made me think, okay, so this this is my little headcanon, I guess. So I thought that this was such an interesting way to describe Frank. And I was thinking, do we think that maybe before the start of the show, they were tent mates with Duke and then Frank came to like replace him? That's why he Ooh. called him a substitute teacher. <laughs> this is an episode full of fan theories and fan canons. Um, <laughs> yeah, because last week we talked about how Duke was like more of a major character and he's kind of mm-hmm. absent in the uh, series. So I like the idea that Duke existed once, but maybe not anymore maybe the movie is canon you know maybe uh duke was there frank left and then frank actually like comes back (laughs) who knows we'll have to (laughs) expand on that further into the series with more uh fan information (laughs) you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i uh i was just i don't know something about that line just kind of struck me i was like huh i wonder what that's supposed to mean there (laughs) but yeah on the note of frank basically like committing this soldier to death <laughs> because he couldn't find a pulse like in one place which i'm like 99 percent sure that's just like not how you do things mm-hmm. um i am not a doctor so i don't know <laughs> but i'm pretty sure but i really liked this part um about trapper saving this hypothermic soldier because we got a little bit of trapper kind of being a good doctor in the last episode too where he is helping Hawkeye defuse this bomb on this soldier. But usually it's Hawkeye who's like working the miracles and, you know, kind of saving people, doing his most to save people. So I thought it was really cool to see Trapper kind of doing it. And it's like a reminder that Trapper is also, you know, a really good doctor. He's not like Frank and he's not just Hawkeye's sidekick. He's there for a reason too. Yeah, I like that they gave Trapper kind of a hero moment. Of course, it makes sense because it's actually him narrating this letter. So he's going to talk more about himself than like the good deeds of Hawkeye. But I I did like how uh, just inept Frank was that he he checked once and it was like, okay, get this guy out of here. And like a good doctor, Trapper was like, oh, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. You got to check the uh, corroded artery, Frank. You can't just check the arm for two seconds and be like, huh, well, he's dead. Let's sentence this man to death. Yeah, it was, it came about that, you know, his extremities were frozen. So of course he was not going to get a pulse because it was like too faint to really check. But then his neck was, you know, still there because he was still, Mm -hmm. I don't know, alive. Thank you, Frank Burns. Um, like I said, it, it was this juxtaposition between the two characters, um, and I liked that usually it's Hawkeye, who is the competent doctor, being juxtaposed with Frank's incompetence, and we got Trapper this time. So I also, I loved how this scene ended, too, with, you know, of course, Trapper saving this kid and saying, you know, if this had been the summertime, he would have bled out because he had been in a minefield all night, and... I loved to see him kind of like sign off the letter to his daughter as well because he seemed so sad and Mm -hmm. you don't really get, you know, sad trapper. You don't get like agency trapper. Um, 
a lot of the times in the episodes, like I said, he's mostly like Hawkeye's sidekick. So it's really nice to see him missing his wife and kids instead of just being that like cheating <laughs> sidekick. And I think that that comes into play because we're like close to the end of the season. So that'll come into play a little bit later. Yeah, but unfortunately, that sweetness is kind of undercut by later in the episode when they're at the picnic and they're doing this like puppet show and him and oh, the, yeah. <laughs> the actress who plays Judy for the Punch and Judy puppet show are just making out for like five minutes in front of children. <laughs> it was wild and really undercut the emotional stakes of a uh, trapper <laughs> missing his family. <laughs> That's true. Remember uh, last episode, you were saying how a trapper and Margaret were like really sweet together, forgetting that he was married. Yeah. <laughs> Me, I'm sitting here completely forgetting that he was just like openly making out with a nurse behind like a very small wooden board so that kids didn't see oh my god yeah that you're right it does kind of undercut the niceness okay i stand corrected and then mulcahy like comes in he looks at them and he's like oh 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 my (laughs) oh okay (laughs) um so i just want to talk really quick about this one scene of them watching a shirley temple movie i thought that this was really cute and this actually contributed to my liking of this episode so much because there was like a point where I felt like it was really cohesive with last week's episode. So what did you think about this scene? This scene was really fun. Of course, it's overtaken by the big fight that uh, Klinger gets into with this random man and he like ruins the movie. But uh, watching them watch the Shirley Temple movie was cute because I liked that like Radar was like really into it. He was like, come on, it's yeah. Shirley Temple, man. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Hawkeye's got to be a little bit of a jerk and be like, well, you know, she's not really a kid. Her her mother fed her, you know, pills to make her say small or whatever. You know, it's just a very <laughs> real thing that you would do if like you're not feeling the movie, but like your friend is. You're like, oh, yeah, well, mm-hmm. this movie is stupid and lame. And here's why. (laughs) Because of a conspiracy that people have had for 50 years. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I thought it was so funny because Radar does say he's like come on it's Shirley Temple because Hawkeye and Trapper are making like kind of like dirty jokes he goes you can't sully Shirley Temple you know (laughs) because it's so sweet and wholesome and it's just so on brand for Radar to be like hey stop it Shirley Temple's on (laughs) you know I just I loved it I also love the fact that Klinger still gets dates with nurses even though he dresses in like typically like women's clothes because because he had his arm around a nurse before he got into this fight with this guy who was at the camp um so i just i i always like when Klinger is like still getting dates because he's a charming guy oh absolutely it's all about charisma baby doesn't matter what you look (laughs) like or dress like if you're confident that's all that matters you can get anyone you want take that to heart kids listening even though there's no kids (laughs) listening to the show (laughs) also real quick i do want to mention just this is a tangent but growing up i thought like shirley temple was like pretty contemporary because on like Nickelodeon, they would always have this infomercial about a Shirley Temple like box set. And I was like, oh, Shirley Temple mm-hmm. must only be a few years old. No, she was 50 years before my time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I always liked Shirley Temple because um, she was one of the first, if not the first, I don't have data to back this up, but I'm pretty sure she was the first woman to really uh, speak 
openly about having breast cancer and you know how breast cancer affects women a lot and every time i see shirley temple like that's what i think about i don't think about her you know like singing and dancing i'm like wow she was like a real big activist for breast cancer and i think that that's so amazing (laughs) wow you very talented young actress a drink named after her and a breast (laughs) advocate support what no that's not breast advocate support Breast advocate support. Like that should that be our first merchandise? I love that. Breast advocate support. That's gonna <laughs> take it again. Yeah, I, I mean breast cancer advocacy. Just an all around amazing person. Or at least yes. you hope so anyway. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> what I was mentioning before about me liking this episode. In this scene, um, Frank is, you know, being Frank and I, I don't even know why but he was standing up and yelling at hawkeye and trapper and then shelling happens and he is like come on we have to evacuate like shelling shelling and i liked that this was like i said cohesive with last week's story because it kind of puts into perspective that these episodes were actually not supposed to happen like too far apart from each Mm -hmm. other because after having so much shelling in last week's episode having shelling again frank would be like oh yeah that's probably not just a one-off we're going to be getting shelled again we need to go seek cover so i really liked that yeah even the the movie i know they mentioned a different movie but last week they watched like some random utter trash and this week we're like (laughs) oh we have a good movie this time, like an actual film mm-hmm. with like an actress in it that everyone knows. So it was <laughs> like a good continuity between these two. And like that, that is funny how consistent that is. I wonder if that was at all intentional because I know that like how this production worked is that they mostly aired them in a semi like random order. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I wonder how much that was intended for these two to play back to back. Yeah, I don't know, because I, I know that the production order was definitely different because on the MASH wiki, Monster MASH, they do have the production order. So oh, I try, I've try. i been trying to pay attention to that as well, um, just to see like what may or may not have been intentional from the showrunners. So yeah, I don't have an answer to that, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I am keeping that in mind. Um, so this movie scene actually transitions us into the like last bit of the episode with like we have been talking about the picnic, the barbecue, whatever for the orphans, because um, Nurse Kelly, who is credited as Nurse Charlie, actually in these uh, in this episode. But Nurse Kelly comes in and she says to Henry, hey, like your patient is hemorrhaging again. Come help him. And then in the next scene cut from that, there's a body being loaded onto a bus. And Henry just looks very like downtrodden and broken and is very like down in the dumps because Hawkeye says like at the bulletin board, like, oh, we're going to have like a picnic barbecue for the orphans. And Henry's like, no, we're not doing that. And it just was kind of a testament to how bad he's feeling. Like if he doesn't want to take part in like festivities or like a happy time where there's like drinking and whatever, that is how you know Henry is not feeling his best. Yeah. Um. I mean, it was super quick. This was just literally mm-hmm. like one scene. But I, I really liked what Hawkeye said in response to that. Like, come on, Henry, if we don't go crazy once in a while, we'll all go crazy. Um, which mm-hmm. is just something that you've always brought up of like, well, yeah, they're, they are kind of like devious, but they got to blow off steam somehow. That's something that you've always talked about with the show. And yeah. 
I like how it goes from this sad, realistic thing that, like, doctors have to deal with to this very fun, very silly picnic extended sequence with, like, all these kids, all these local Koreans, like, hanging out and having a good time. It was, like, a good uh, juxtaposition between the two. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, And I always love when the camp kind of gets together and puts you know any differences aside or just like really makes a good time for the orphan children that we see from time to time i really think it's so sweet how they kind of all come together and take care of the kids and you know play with the kids and make sure that they have fun like they did like the relay race with the Mm -hmm. putting the water in the jar and i just thought that that was really really sweet because they were all participating and they were all like having such a good time i mean besides the point where trout like (laughs) I was going to say Trapper, I was like, oh, wow, it's so sweet that we got this, you know, scene with Trapper and missing his daughters and then the scene where he's putting on this puppet show for the kids. And then he was like making out with the nurse behind the stage Mm -hmm. thing. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess that kind of makes that point moot. But okay, (laughs) my other points still stand. Like, I like, I really like when the camp just gets together and does stuff for the kids. Yeah, absolutely. I love that the nuns were hanging out. That was fun to see. I love love a good (laughs) nun. Nuns are always, like, ah, delightful. And the the hula girl was, like, funny, too, because it was like, why are they doing Hawaiian stuff? (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny because, like, uh, you're right. Why are they doing Hawaiian stuff? But also, um, Father Mulcahy looked super duper impressed with her. He just, like, had this, like, really impressed dad (laughs) look on his face. It was really sweet. I loved it. I also loved like you said with the nuns and like Hawkeye and Trapper were like yeah good job sister good job they were just so so into it and it was just I love that I I just loved the whole vibe but it was not to bring down the vibe but it was very sad to see like Henry throughout the whole thing couldn't pull himself out of that kind of funk up until the very end where they're doing the like tug of war over the pile the like pit of mud (laughs) Oh man, tug of wars are, are a rough time. And I love his little complaints of like, oh man, why why are we doing this? Just such a grumpy dad kind of thing to do. <laughs> but it was so sweet because he was like, hey, no, why are we lined up like this? I'm going to go face first into the mud the <laughs> first time. No thanks. So he like runs to the back of the line. And that's where I feel like Henry kind of perked up a little bit because, or no, I'll, I'll wait to say that. But like we said, the extended like picnic barbecue scene kind of went on for a little long, basically to fill space, it felt like. But this, where all the cast just jumped yeah. into the mud, oh, that was so funny. You could tell that they were having such a good time. Yes, this went on for so long, but I was never bored with it. This was just a real showcase of like when people are having fun on camera, like you're having fun too. Like I I like these characters. I like seeing them have a good time with each other. Even uh, when Frank got the little balloon for Margaret and she immediately pops it. But like on his way over there, I was like, man, Frank's like a cute guy. He's so like happy. He's so (laughs) like, oh, this will work. I'll get a single balloon and then she'll stop being mad at me. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I like the tug of war scene, too, because I really like when Margaret and Frank kind of take part in any kind of festivities or, Mm -hmm. you know, fun that's going around the camp because they're so, you know, buttoned up all the time. So I really I love to see it and it doesn't happen 
as often as I'd like, but I really do like to see that they have a good time too. Yeah. And I just thought this scene was just so, so good because you could, like I said, anytime the cast is having a good time filming, it just makes for such a better vibe for this scene. Absolutely. Anytime that Frank and Margaret get to have fun and aren't like, oh, fun? That's a byproduct of Satan or whatever. <laughs> um, it's always, you, you love to see it because they are, they are people too. Um, and Again, everything with Frank being like, oh, you got to pay interest and them having like a fight was really funny, too. And then this whole end of the episode is just a good time. And I really liked how it didn't shy away from the fact that Henry was right, you know, because in the beginning of this end scene, Henry says, why should we have this picnic? The war is just going to come back and we're just going to have to, you know, patch up soldiers again, whatnot. And as soon as the scene in the mud is kind of like over, Radar hears choppers and they have to go, you know, back to the war. And even though Henry was right and the war interrupts to come back to them and basically like smack them in the face, Mm -hmm. like you said, Hawkeye is right. They are going to go crazy if they don't blow off steam like that at some point. And I think that it was such a great end, like the last line when Henry said, oh, yeah, Hawkeye, you're right. Like that picnic was a good idea. And I think Mm -hmm. that that was such a so good because Henry was basically saying like, yeah, even though this war came back and we're doing this now and it's not fun, whatever. I don't think he or anybody else would really trade that fun time that like those couple moments of joy that they had. And I, I thought that it was a very pointed end, like it put a very good period at the end of this episode. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. For as fragmented and kind of vignette-y as this one was, it did have like a nice cohesive kind of tone to it. Um, Just Mm -hmm. a very consistent like overall message and vibe. And I I thought this one was like really well done for this type of episode. This probably um, of these vignette story episodes is probably the best one we've seen. Like this one just fun and breezy and has a few like really good moments where it kind of brings you back to that that mash comedy drama stuff with like medical Mm -hmm. and everything. And uh, one thing that I liked a lot about Radar hearing the choppers again is that as soon as he stands up, everybody gets it. Uh, That was like Mm -hmm. really nice to see that it wasn't explained at all for the audience that like, oh, he does that sometimes. It was like, okay, we all kind of know what Radar's deal is by now that like Mm -hmm. he gets up, everybody gets it and they're like, okay, let's get to work. <laughs> yeah, I also really liked that that wasn't explained because it felt very just expecting the audience to know these people by now. And I, mm-hmm. I always liked that. I also really liked the end scene as well, where they have um, there was the PA announcement going over kind of like the news and whatnot. And, you know, you had the scenes of just like the hands kind of mm-hmm. going and doing surgery and passing off tools to one another. And I had to shout out Mr. Alan Alda's directing because I thought that that was really, really cool. I really liked that scene. Yeah, another another artistic <laughs> venture from Mr. Alda in that one little yes. sequence. Really solid episode. Rounded it out very well. I agree. So do you have any favorite lines from this episode that we haven't mentioned yet? I do. I have a few. So (laughs) 
it was really funny when they were doing a relay race and um like the nurses were all doing a relay race in the picnic scene and hawkeye says oh i get the winner and trapper says i get the loser my father told me to stay away from fast women i thought that was such a funny play on words (laughs) that was really good i i really liked frank's line talking about marriage how uh margaret's sister's getting married and at first he's like oh are you gonna bring up the fact that last week i wanted to marry you um he (laughs) says marriage is probably the chief cause of divorce just one of my favorite frankisms (laughs) like okay good job frank yeah you you hit it right on the head there buddy (laughs) (laughs) oh i had one other line when henry's giving the sex talk and Frank kind of stood up and was going on a tangent about communism, which I thought was also very funny because it was very like Red Scare kind of political Mm -hmm. aspect of, you know, communism. And Klinger says, I didn't iron my dress to talk about politics. (laughs) I love that. That is, I ironed my dress to talk about sex. I did not come here to talk about politics. What a a man. (laughs) What a legend. What a legend. So I don't have a lot of trivia for this episode because there weren't really many guest stars or anything. So I did a little bit of research about uh, some of the stuff that the PA announcer was saying. Oh, yeah. This is a nice historical episode. We got some historical context by the PA. Yeah. So on the PA announcement at the end, he says Eisenhower said that he would visit Korea if he's elected president. And Eisenhower actually did go to Korea in December 1952 after he won the 1952 presidential election. So if we're thinking like timelines, I would say potentially we're in, you know, 1952 now, which is kind of crazy. In theory, we're towards the end of the Korean War, but uh, no, we're not. (laughs) In theory. (laughs) Nope, not at all. Um, so then the PA also said that there was like an ammunition shortage. So I did a little bit of research on that. So James Van Fleet was a general in the U.S. Army during the Korean War and prior wars as well, World War One and World War Two. Oh. Very decorated. I found an interview that he did for a newspaper uh, had said in 1953 that the ammunition in Korea was, quote, below combat need during his time in Korea and didn't begin to improve until his retirement in January of that year. Van Fleet said that he learned of the ammunition shortage when he took command of the 8th Army in 1951. So the ammunition situation didn't improve until January 1953. And uh, that's a pretty long time to have an ammunition shortage for a police action, which we know is a war. Um, So yeah, yeah, so I was actually really surprised about that. Yeah, um... Obviously, that's just something that, like, happened in real life. And, like, that's kind of weird and kind of scary. But, uh, you know. Yeah. And also, General uh, Van Fleet is from New Jersey. He was born in Fort Lee, New Jersey. So pretty cool. We love that. We love that. (laughs) We love any New Jersey uh, native on this show. (laughs) (laughs) So, Ethan, what was your martini rating for this episode? Uh, I think I'm going to go four out of five. I really enjoyed this one. But I don't know. What I think for like a 4.5 or like a 5, it's got to be a real standout episode. But this was just like a perfectly solid, fun episode of MASH. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to go 3.5 on this one just because it was for sure like above average. I really liked it. You always got to go lower than me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, originally I was going to say 3.0, like objectively. But then, you know, as we talked about it more, I definitely, definitely appreciated it more. I see your 4.0, though. That's pretty solid. But yeah, I think that this was definitely a 3.5 for me. 
Yeah, I think for me, for like a 3.5, it's got to be a little less cohesive. And like, this is pretty cohesive. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it's just a rock solid episode of MASH, but without being like masterpiece status, like a a Mm 5 out of 5 would be. Agree, agree, agree. So just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Briarbalco for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister for cover art, and of course, our listeners. Thank you so much. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description as always. And join us next week for Season 3, Episode 17, The Consultant. But until then, throw your colleagues in the mud. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone.